It's a thrill to see all of you here today. We have some that are visiting from out of state, as far away as Arkansas, and many that are visiting with us from within our state, to the east in Alpena, to the south in Saline, and all parts. Glad to have you with us, and glad for those who are joining us online. I can say with confidence that the last of the frost is gone. You can plant your tomatoes plants outside. At least I have. I had to cover them up three times this week. We do have, want to remember the walk for water, and also want to remember that uh, this Friday night at 6.30 to 8 o'clock, we have a Bob Turner is going to be here from the Sunset School of Preaching, and also Saturday from 9 to 3 o'clock, we're having a meeting. So make plans for that. Gary Dodd, who is also from the Sunset School of Preaching, will be delivering the message next Sunday. No, that is not a family portrait. And, and several people have made an, a guess as to what that is a picture of. And because you have heard... Mark, you did an excellent job reading those names. I was going to have you start at about verse 8 and read through the end of the chapter, every one of those 37 mighty men, but I wasn't going to burden you with that. They were tough names to pronounce. But these are the mighty men. This is not, someone guessed that it might have been Sitting Bull back 150 years ago or so. Nope, it is not one of the, the 12 sons of Jacob. It is, in fact, an artist rendering, or is it a real picture that was taken 3,000 years ago? <laughs> With your minds firmly fixed on that, and being that this is the Memorial Day weekend, it is fitting that we should talk about mighty men and warriors as we remember the men and women who have fought and died for our country, Memorial Day being celebrated tomorrow. Some just over 20 years ago, a song was written, the lyrics by Randall Wallace and Nick Lenny Smith wrote the music to it. To fallen soldiers, let us sing, where no rockets fly nor bullets wing. Our broken brothers, let us bring to the mansions of the Lord. No more bleeding, no more fight, no prayers pleading through the night. Just divine embrace, eternal light to the mansions of the Lord. Where no mothers cry and no children weep, we will stand and guard though the angels sleep. Through the ages safely keep the mansions of the Lord. You might remember that, a song that was sung at President Ronald Reagan's funeral some 20 years ago as well. To speak of the mighty men who followed David. And that may be close to what they looked like. They were a ragtag group of men who followed their king. They followed David, who had been rejected by King Saul. As Jonathan pleaded for David to somehow allay his fears and anger against David, Saul replies, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Saul had rejected David as king, though he had been anointed. 
by Samuel. And David was not only rejected, but he was dejected. In Psalm 142, the description of this, a mascal of David when he was in the cave, a prayer. With my voice I cry out to the Lord, with my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him, I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me, no one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. I can only imagine what David had gone through all those years that Saul pursued him. And there were times when David himself had the opportunity to slay Saul. But David understood that King Saul was anointed of the Lord, even when his mighty men said, now is the chance we can kill him. And David refused to do that. But David was protected by these mighty men. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, David departed from there and was escaped to the cave of Adullam. And many believe that this Psalm 142 was written during this time. And when his brothers and all his families, all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became a commander over them, and they were with him about 400 men. Those people who were in distress, in debt, and bitter in soul had gathered to David, him. They followed their king. They were the mighty men. And in 2 Samuel, pardon me, chapter 23, as we, as we read about those people, who were they? They were valiant men. Beginning in verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshub, Bashabeth, the Tachamanite. He was chief of the three. He wielded a spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Imagine that, killing 800 at one time. And next to him, among the three mighty men, was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, son of Ohai. He was with David when he defied the Philistines who had gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. So brave was he when all others had fled. He held his ground there in that patch. And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it. 
and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. And the three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time. I'll save that one for just a moment. They were valiant men, men who fought, men who fought until their hand was so weary that it clung to the sword. I don't know if you've ever had that muscle fatigue to where you have all you can do and you can't release your hand from that grip. That's the type of men who followed and protected these. They were supportive. In 1 Chronicles 11.10, the same general list that is given to us here, Verse 10 of 1 Chronicle 11 gives us another insight. Now these are the chiefs of David's mighty men who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all Israel to make him king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Valiant, supportive, and they were unified. You know how much I love to read genealogies you a lot of what is, what is taught in this. If you'd like to read some of the pulpit commentaries to give us insight into these, who these people were. And as you read down through that list, you find that many of those who were mighty men were relatives of David. Johab, Azahel, Abishai, Amasa, all cousins of David. I don't know about you, but sometimes some of the toughest people we can gather around us are those of our own family. But not only David's family, but he was able to unify those mighty men from different tribes. If you look at some of those names and locate them on a map, you'll find that they were from Judah and Benjamin and even from Reuben, men who followed David. And not just relatives in the tribes of Israel, but they were peoples and nations. A name that is familiar to us through the story of Bathsheba, Uriah the Hittite, and Ithma of the Moabites. These were foreigners who Israel oftentimes was found themselves at war against. Yet these people recognized that David was king and were gathered to him. Why did they follow? Everyone who is bitter in distress, bitter in soul, and in debt followed David. They were discontented. It's interesting in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter on faith, that the writer of the book of Hebrews says, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts, in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And one wonders if the writer of the book of Hebrews had these people in mind who fled from Saul and found themselves there, wandering in deserts and mountains. In their loyalty, they were recognized by Saul's army who knew the caliber of men who fought. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, as David is fleeing from Saul, The remark is made by Hushai, who said, You know that your father and his men are mighty men. Speaking to Absalom, his son, who had taken the throne. And that they are enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is an expert in war. 
he will not spend the night with the people. They dare not go up against them. Yet there was more than their courage in fighting. The deeds that they are that we are told of what they did in the fierceness of battle. But we also find that they had an affinity for David himself. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, we're going to read about eight verses. In the back of your mind, think of this young boy, David, who hears of a giant who taunts Israel. And that giant is Goliath. And as David goes down to take him on, it says he grabbed five smooth stones. And one wonders, why five smooth stones, David? Well, fast forward a few years to the account which is given to us in 2 Samuel 21. There was war between the Philistines and Israel, and David went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. And Ishbi Benab, one of the descendants of the giants, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze, and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, You shall no longer go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. There's one. After this, there was again war with the Philistines at Gob, when Sibkai, the Hushethite, struck down Seth, who was one of the descendants of the giants. And there was again war with the Philistines at Gob, and Elhanan, the son of Jair Ohagabin, the Bethlehemite, struck down Goliath, the Gittite. There was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand. Sorry, I can only hold up five at a time. Six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. He also was a descendant of the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Some people, critics, pardon me, uh, scholars, believe that the five stones were not just one all for David, pardon me, for Goliath, but also for his four descendants he may have fought against. Speculation? But there might be some wisdom in this. We also find that there was an affinity to David. Samuel chapter 23, verse 30, chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold in the garrison of the Philistines, was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Not only fierce in battle, but fierce in protection of their king looking after his needs. As we consider these mighty men of old, 
There's a connection that we today can make some 3,000 years later. For we think of another man who had mighty men following him, a king who was rejected. That king who was rejected was none other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. For he too was rejected. There at the trial, in John chapter 14, verse, pardon me, John chapter 19, verses 14 through 15. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Jesus, like David before him, a king who had been rejected. Paul reminds those people in Acts chapter 13 and verses 26 through 27, those who were his relatives by faith. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of the salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning them. Jesus was rejected like David. He gathers about him those who are distressed, discontented, and indebted, if we're willing to see this. Consider what Paul says as he writes in what we call the first letter to the Corinthians. In chapter 1, verse 26 through 29, for considering your, consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no, no human being might boast in the presence of God. Paul urges them to consider their place in the world. Consider that they were not mighty people, according to worldly standards, as he says, not powerful, not of noble birth, not wise, but were drawn to the Lord nonetheless, distressed, discontented, and indebted. Jesus himself gave us a prayer to the Father in Matthew chapter 11, beginning of verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Think of those that Jesus called in his day. 
And think about those that Jesus calls even to this day. Think of those who are called out of this world. Are the wise called? Yes. Do the wise often accept? I'll let you answer that. Those who are powerful and mighty in their own ways are called, but do they accept? Again, I let you answer that for yourselves. And as we back up, even great, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. As I think of those mighty men who surrounded David and fought for him as king, we lift them up as great and mighty for sure. And I think of those who are in the warfare, in the trenches for the cause of Christ from the first century even down to today. Are they less mighty than these? as we fight for the cause of Christ? Paul talks about fighting the wild beasts at Ephesus. We wonder what that means. Paul, in his meekness, yet he fought the good fight. And no less you and I today, fighting as mighty warriors for the cause of Christ. The sword we wield is not the sword that sheds blood. It is the sword of God that breaks down hearts. We are the battle-weary warriors for Christ today, fighting for the cause. Are we as devoted today to our King as those mighty men were in the days of King David? I can't answer that for you. I can answer that for myself and perhaps hang my head and say, I could do better. You may feel that way as well. Mighty warriors for the cause of Christ. Several times in the life of David, as David prays to the Lord and it reminds us in the Psalms, God is called the Lord of hosts, which means he is the Lord of the great army, that army of angels. And we are that army here on earth as we battle against the evils of this world. Paul will give us those instructions in his letter to the Ephesians. He talks about the armor that we need to bear in ourselves, being spiritual battles. And though we speak in the terms of mighty men, we speak in terms today of mighty warriors, men and women, who are fighting that fight. And so the call goes out, even today, to say, fight the good fight, as Paul said he had done. So we extend the invitation to you and think upon this day as we remember those of David's mighty men who fought down to the last battle. We too shall fight down to the last battle as well. 
in the Lord's army, there is always need of more recruitments, to use a worldly term. But as we extend the invitation to the world in which we live, I pray that everyone here has named Christ as their Savior. But if not, we extend that invitation. As Jesus describes himself standing at the door and knocking. And anyone who will open that door, he will enter. We pray that you will accept that invitation if you have not already, through faith, through the actions that we are called to do, to repent, to confess, and to submit to the watery grave of baptism. We become members of that mighty army of the Lord. Whatever your need is today, we stand ready to help in any way that we can. Together we stand and sing.